0: This is the Chicago CityCast with Danny Burke, presented by Bette Rivers. What's happening ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers Danny Burke your host here excited to talk all things Chicago sports and it's one of the most exciting weeks because we got the Crosstown Classic baby and hopefully you're listening to this before the game gets underway if it even gets underway we've got some crap weather here the Chicago land area, big surprise, right? Yeah, it's uh, Chicago and suffering another crap spring with rain and cold and no warmth. But that's just how it goes sometimes. We're counting down the days till we can get that consistent warmth and solid weather. But we'll see if the game gets underway. We'll still preview that further along. We'll recap the Bears draft because I didn't have a show yesterday, so my apologies. But I want to give you my two cents on what the new GM of the Chicago Bears, Ryan Poles instilled in his draft philosophy how we're feeling about it are we happy we content are we a little disappointed all those things we'll talk about a little bit after the crosstown classic preview and then we got a little discussion in the second part revolving around the nba and nhl postseason now naturally if you want me to expound on that furthermore and get my bets make sure you check out rush hour monday through friday 5 to 6 p.m central time can get a hold of that on the Marquee Sports Network. I believe we will be on for the first half hour, and then they'll take you over for the Cubs and Sox coverage. But if the Cubs ain't playing or it's a late game, you can always catch my show on there. If not, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts, FuboTV, TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, and you can get it naturally, VEASAN.com or the VEASAN app. That is V-S-I-N.com. And at Danny Burke 5, if you need any of those links, always tweeting out a show preview and a recap of all my plays. Well, let's get into it. White Sox and Cubbies. The Southsiders coming to the North Side, And the White Sox opened up as a minus 141 favorite for this affair. The Cubbies plus 123. The total opened as low as seven, folks. Seems kind of appalling, but when you look at the weather, you just step outside like myself. You're like, yeah, I could see why there wouldn't be any runs. Aside from the fact that the ball is deadened and these two teams can't hit for squat and they've gotten two wins in, what, however many last games they've played, makes some sense why the total is incredibly low. Uh, Winds look like they could be blowing in like 20 miles per hour or so. And the pitchers in this game being Drew Smiley for the Cubs, lefty, Michael Kopech for the White Sox, righty, they have been pretty solid, so that obviously plays a factor in it as well, but more so it's the weather, the ball being dead, and just both of these offenses not hitting for jack squad at this point because the totals now moved down to 6.5 at Bat Rivers. A little bit of shade to the over, minus 120. The under is even money. But like I said, in terms of the money line, the initial movement has gone toward the Cubbies. They're now plus 117 as for the White Sox. They are minus 137 setting the stage a little bit more. So the White Sox come into this game with a nine and 13 record and they're two and seven on the road. They are coming off a nice win against the Angels yesterday, three nothing. The Cubbies also come in with a record of nine and 13 at the friendly confines. They are four and six also coming off a shutout win. However, against the Brewers, Marcus Stroman's 31st birthday. Finally, a quality start here. He gets the dub 2-0 on Sunday against Milwaukee. All right, the rivalry. Well, the White Sox lead this all-time City Series 70-64 to with help from them sweeping all three games at Wrigley Field last season and won seven of the last nine on the north side. But what about this game? Who can we trust here? Which pitcher may or may not have the advantage? Well, let's take a look at the Cubby starter first, Drew Smiley, the southpaw. His numbers actually ain't too bad. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's odd though, right? Because I'm I still have this thought of Drew Smiley just not being a reliable pitcher and fading him. Almost on a consistent basis from a betting perspective. Like he'll have you, he'll give you a year every now and then where he'll be fairly solid and he's not an auto fade. But then there were a couple I feel like where he was just atrocious. But look, he's done solid for the Cubbies. Four games started, one and two record, two point seven nine ERA. He's got a whip of one point zero nine. What is concerning to me is his FIP. I know we talk about XFIP a lot, and as XFIP is fairly solid at 3.74, I've kind of transitioned in, into relying on FIP a little bit more as of late, because XFIP is more of a you know future indicator of what to expect out of a pitcher, not necessarily on a game-to-game basis. And you can get into the thick of it with all the definitions and, you know, everything that goes into it. I have an MLB betting guide. So if you do want the link to it, I could share it to you with the terms that I go with. But, you know, it's just all accessed at Fangraphs. That's where I got it from. So you could go to Fangraphs.com, check out their glossary. It'll tell you the differences and the definitions to all these metrics that I use, such as XFIP and FIP. But again, XFIP and FIP, is more of a true indication of what a pitcher's era should be so a lot of times say for example you see a guy with like a 5.04 era but say he has a fip of like 3.33 well the public sees a high era and they want to fade him but the sharp money is actually going to be backing that guy because the true indication of the era being his fip or xfip is actually lower So, that should tell you that it's not reflective of what or how he should perform. And it goes the same for the opposite, right? Like, say, for example, his ERA is like 2.23 and he's got a FIP of like 5.18. You know, you're going to fade that guy, but the public won't want to because they look at the ERA, look at the metrics. Use those as tools if you're betting baseball on a consistent basis. It'll save your betting life for baseball and definitely make you a more efficient and knowledgeable handicapper. I'm not guaranteeing you a win if you use it, but it's definitely going to aid you along the way. Now, furthermore to these metrics. Oh, by the way, again, if I didn't state it already, but his ERA 2.79, his FIP is 4.89. Again, that's very concerning because you look at FIP and the average FIP is like four flats. Three point, or yeah, four flat. No, 4.20, I'm sorry. 4.20 is the average FIP. Below average is like 4.40. Poor, and this is how they categorize it at fan graphs, 4.70 would be considered poor. So he is in between poor and awful because awful is five flat. He's at 4.89. Now, what has he done this year? Well, he's faced the Pirates twice. That helps. He went to Colorado at Coors in a hitter's park and actually did very well. Same in Atlanta, not too shabby. So, total this season, he's given up six earned runs. All right? You may be thinking, you know, Danny, Drew Smiley is doing really well. The Sox kind of stink right now. How? Why, you know, I want to back him. I want to trust him. Well, let's look at some of the other metrics first just to see if it's reasonable. His Babip batting average of balls in play is 241. League average is 300. So that's good. Very good. Left on base percentage 97.4%. Average is 72%. Excellent would be considered 80%. So that's outstanding. Okay. Ground ball percentage. How many of his hits are being, you know, that are put into play are grounders? 55% of them. That's tremendous. Again, you want a lot of your hits or your balls you're throwing and the hits that are coming after they are thrown to be grounders because grounders don't lead to a lot of runs most of the time, right? Unless you're getting through the gaps, grounders typically turn into outs. What's a tad bit concerning for old Drew Smiley is his home run to fly ball ratio. All right. With his home run to fly ball ratio, the percentage is 17.4%. It's the ratio of how many home runs are hit against pitcher for every fly ball they allow. League average is 10%, okay? He's at 17.4%. That is beyond awful in terms of how they categorize it at fan graphs. And look, some people dominate against Drew Smiley. The White Sox, we know, hit very well against lefties. 800 OPS against Southpaw's. And their top slugger, Jose Abreu, in particular, loves to go against Drew Smiley. Abreu thrives against the dude. 6-for-11 with two doubles and a homer against Smiley. Now, most recently, Abreu was hit safely in 12 of his last 14 games. And guess what? He's batting 4-23, going 11-for-26, with 7 home runs and 10 ribbies during a 6-game hitting streak. At the friendly confines. So I would love to back you in some capacity. Heck, I would love to give the advantage to the White Sox going against the lefty in some capacity. But this weather is really taken a dive into how you can handicap this game. So again, because of how drastic this weather is going to be and how impactful it's going to be, even if you give the slight edge to the White Sox hitting against lefties, you know they're injured. Their lineup has really just stunk. You're not expecting a lot of offense out of them because of the weather, hence the total going down. And when the total's going down and it's a short one, typically the underdog gets a little bit of love because, well, if there's not going to be that many runs, then, hey, who knows? You take the value at that point because the margin for error is incredibly slim in this type of environment with two pitchers who may not be that different statistically, right? If you look at Michael Kopech, the righty, he started four games. Hasn't chalked up a dub, nor has he suffered a loss. He's got an ERA of 1.42, oh, a FIP of 2.76. His XFIP is concerning at 4.61, but FIP is more current as opposed to XFIP, which is expected down the long run. Uh, but his FIP 2.76, his WHIP is 0.95. He has yet to give up a home run. He's got a strong BABIP of 200 flat. left on base percentage, so eh, you're a little below average. 20% ground ball rate. That, you need to be higher. If you're Michael Kopech, you need to get the ground ball percentage higher. Again, Smiley's at 55%. And that's, again, outstanding if you can get it at 55%, right? But for the most part, Kopech, you know, the fear might be that he's a little sporadic, a little volatile, I think that could kind of scare some people off a little bit with him potentially. I still trust him in my mind a little bit more than Smiley. Like to me Smiley's a guy that I'm just kind of waiting not to implode necessarily, but just not to be not to be reliant, I guess he could say. I wasn't infatuated when they brought him over, but he's done fairly well. I think we can all agree on that. The stats show it for sure. But I'm just kind of waiting. And what better time would it be for Smiley to have a terrible outing than against your rival, the Chicago White Sox, who have dominated you at Wrigley in the past, who are desperate to get on a winning streak, and a unit that just loves to go against Southpaws. So I actually give the slight advantage here to the White Sox. Now again, looking further into Kopech, he has only given up three total earned runs this season, However, Kopech has not gone deeper than five innings. So do you want to trust the White Sox for the full nine innings or beyond? Their bullpen is worse off than the Cubbies right now. The White Sox have a bullpen ERA of 3.69. The Cubbies have it at 3.45. As for their respective whips, walks and hits per innings pitched, the White Sox are at 1.38. The Cubbies are at 1.20. And remember, look at the look at these batting splits. I mean, the Sox are hitting 800 OPS versus Southpaws. The Cubbies hitting 713 OPS versus righties. 728 at the friendly confines. White Sox, 635 OPS on the road. Eh, don't take that into account as much. They're not really on the road here, and they've thrived at Wrigley Field. But the weather, again, is going to make everything unique tonight. Who the hell knows if they're even going to play this game. But if they do, again, you can't rely on these stats as much as you typically could because of how impactful this weather is going to be. So I think the angle I would approach, if anything, aside really from the weather being the main source, it would be, you know what, I don't fully trust this White Sox bullpen, right? And after Smiley gets his outing against the Sox, say the Sox do a decent number on him or well enough, you know, the Cubs will probably go to the righties in their bullpen because that's what the White Sox struggle with, okay? So at that point, maybe the Sox stop hitting, okay? And hey, maybe the Cubs can get to the White Sox bullpen because they're not too reliable, and you could end up getting screwed late in the game. That's why we have the approach to the first five bet. I think my top play for this game, if weather wasn't going to be an incredible deciding factor Would be to look at the White Sox in the first five innings. If Kopech can at least get you to the fifth. Or past the fifth, right? I think the advantage lies with Chicago White Sox. I was going to say Chicago with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, You got to be a little bit more specific here with the Crosstown Classic. But again, you know, Smiley to me is a little concerning because of the home run to fly ball ratio. But remember the wind's blowing in so you take that out of the mix. But at the same time the Sox are hungry. They do well against the Cubs as of late, and they still hit particularly well against lefties. So I think that advantage does give a slight lean toward the White Sox. But, folks, look, you're laying like minus 138, 135, minus 140, anywhere in that range to back the White Sox in this game. Is it really worth laying that much to trust this White Sox team in a, in a game where weather could just give a bad stroke of fortune to either side at any given moment. I mean, those games are really hard to bet. That's why you're seeing the market go toward the Cubbies. Smiley. Yeah, you'll give up a home run every now and then. Well, guess what? There's not going to be a home run because the wind's blowing in very intensely. And you're giving me plus money with this team? Yeah, I'll look to take it. It's why it's not a dramatic movement because the White Sox should win this game. They should be the favorite. But because of the wind and because of how at that point then you put the pitchers as almost even and same with the hitting, then yeah, some of the sharp money is probably like, I'll take it with the Cubbies. So really, this game to me isn't a strong candidate to bet, to use as an official play. However, I still will state that my strong lean would be with the Cubby, or excuse me, with the White Sox in the first five. That would be my approach to it. We'll see how the weather... You know, ends up shaping up for this game. But as I'm looking at it at about 11 a.m. or so, it's not looking good. So who knows if this thing even goes off. But it's kind of disappointing that you're getting crap weather just because obviously we're suffering at it here as Chicago wins. But look, we want to see a clean, fun game. And we want to see the true form of what these teams can be against each other. And same with the pitchers. But now the randomness may ensue. Who do you trust with that being implemented? Still give a slight nod to the Whites. It would just be, again, so classic for the White Sox to be doing incredibly poor. They come into this game. They come into this series. They dominate the Cubs. Cubs are still stuck in their crap spot. White Sox finally gets some momentum. They probably get your hopes up as a White Sox fan or better. And then they'll go on to lose whatever series <laughs> afterward. You know, I mean, both of these Chicago baseball teams are just in a crap position right now. We'll see if we can get some entertaining baseball. It could just be ugly all throughout. I mean, the Bulls are deadened too. These teams can't hit, and the weather's going to be bad. It's a recipe for a gross, ugly game, lower scoring, unless it's so sloppy that a lot of runs come through. But again, folks, his total's dropping down to 6.5. The juice is on the over, minus 120. If you want to lay the run line with the Southsiders, you're getting plus 132. You want to take the run in the hook with the Cubbies, minus 165. But again, lean to the White Sox in the first five innings. Not an official play for me more than likely. If I do play it, I'll talk about it on Rush Hour. But folks, I don't know if this one's worth betting. I'll have some other games worth betting, and again, I'll discuss that more so on Rush Hour. All right, before we hit a quick break here... Let's recap the Bears' 2022 NFL Draft. They entered with six picks, and folks, well, they ended up with 11. How are we feeling? Where do you rate it? Are you content? Are you disappointed? Are you just like, eh, we'll trust the process and see? I think I'm at that last one. We'll trust the process and see. Now, I'm naturally salty from a betting perspective because we assumed with our bets that the Bears would go offense with their first pick, that it would be either a receiver or an offensive lineman. Well, it took them till their third pick to finally go offensive. Like they went defense with their first pick and I'm like, "You know what? Of course that was a possibility. It's not shocking. I'm just disappointed. They'll get Pickens or someone with the next one." Nope. Another guy to help out in the secondary. Now look, These guys will probably turn out to be solid players. And the Bears had nobody on their defense. I mean, not saying they don't have nobody, but you know what I'm saying. They had a lot of gaps to fill defensively. So it was going to be addressed. It was just a matter of when. In Ryan Pohl's estimation, it was best to do that then because there wasn't anybody that was worth taking the chance on pretty much offensively as opposed to these guys defensively who could be studs. Ryan Pohl's philosophy, kind of a take the best available type of position. He said this, he said, it comes down to the board and where guys are valued. And where we sat, there were two good starting level defensive players. And I would have made a huge mistake for this organization to say, let's leave them there. Let someone else take them. And we're going to go to offense where they're not on the same level. And then you're kicking yourself a year or two later when that guy's an all pro. So again, I mean, what I said was pretty much paraphrasing, but that's what he's expressing, that, yeah, hopefully these offensive guys could maybe pan out to be okay, and valuable, but these defensive guys right now are ready to play, and their ceiling is basically higher. So you can't blame them too much. Look, I'm not, you know, again, from the betting perspective, yeah, I was disappointed. From a fan perspective, I was disappointed at first. I was, but you also have to understand they do have to address the secondary. And I know it would have been fun to get a guy like Pickens. I know there were some character issues or, you know, I don't know, just concerns, supposedly. And I don't know, maybe they think the offense isn't worth investing in immediately as of this point in Justin Fields' young career and what the expectations and hopes actually are for this team that is, you know, not technically rebuilding, says Poles, but, you know, they're pretty much rebuilding but yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it after the weekend. I'm I'm content in the sense of trusting polls. I'm not content with the players because, well, we need to see what actually comes to fruition. But I'm content in trusting the process of Ryan Poles right now. This is his first draft, guys. This is big for him. He's not just going out on the whim and guessing here. Like, no. If he's doing something, he means it. So, again, just recapping what the Bears did. They got Kyler Gordon, the cornerback out of Washington, earned a career-high 89.6 PFF coverage grade in 2021. Then with the 48th pick in round two, the one acquired from the Chargers, Jaquan Brisker, the safety. From Penn State, Brisker earned three straight 80-plus PFF grades from 2019 to 2021. He recorded a couple of interceptions, and four pass breakups and route to an 89.5 coverage grade this past season. Brisker could be uh, could be a stud. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it. I was watching some of his highlights. He could be a beast. I'm kind of pumped for him. So that's the thing. Like At first, you always have your raw reactions. Then you look at the highlights. and you see what people saying. No, they're really not going to badmouth him. But look, the Bears do need to address the defense. And I know I'm captain. The league is moving toward the offense. And I still stand by that. And I still want the Bears to address that but you still can't just have an absolute terrible defense. You need to have a respectable one and one that's sufficient enough to at least keep you in games and not get blown out and exposed on deep passes like the Bears consistently were last year. So hopefully Kyler Gordon, along with Jalen Johnson, can be great. Jaquan Brisker can help out in the secondary with Eddie Jackson, whatever it may be. Let's hope for the best. So again, trust in the process. We lose out. Stinks, bummer, but hopefully the Bears win out from those picks. Uh, Vela's Jones Jr., the wide receiver out of Tennessee. He's one of the oldest prospects in the draft, 25 years old. He was picked in round three, number 71 by the Bears. He didn't really break out until his sixth season in college, but he's got a really good skill set in terms of his speed. Great playmaking ability for the Volunteers. He had 2.67 yards per route. And a 131 passer rating on passes thrown his way. And he ran a 4-3-1 40-yard dash. He also averaged 132 and a half all-purpose yards per game. He's listed at six feet, 204 pounds. So he's a big, thick dude, right? And with that size, he can run very, very fast, which will be fun to see that next to Darnell Mooney and Byron Pringle. So look. You know, the Bears' offensive weapons ain't going to blow anybody away. Nobody's picking the Bears to play with them on Madden. That's for damn sure. Nobody's looking like, oh, I can't wait to throw this ball to Jones Jr. I can't wait to toss a Hail Mary to Byron Pringle from Justin Fields. No. Uh, The Bears are not going to be your choice of a Madden team. Not yet. We'll see what they can do, if they're still going to acquire or add anybody in free agency. But what I am happy they did is really load up Up front on the offensive line. Their next pick, Braxton Jones. Offensive tackle from Southern Utah. He was actually really solid. A 94 overall grade. So he's got a really long wingspan apparently. And some big explosiveness off the line. So Braxton Jones could be big. Dominique Robinson edge. Miami of Ohio. That was in round five. In round six, you got an offensive lineman out of SDSU, Zachary Thomas. That's San Diego State University for all you folks out there. Another round six pick, Treston Ebner, running back from Baylor. Then inside offensive lineman, what about from University of Illinois, Doug Kramer, folks. Then in round seven, Jatire Carter, offensive lineman. Round seven, Elijah Hicks, safety out of Cal. Then Trenton Gill, a punter, baby. Their final pick from North Carolina State. All right, that's it, folks. The Bears 2022 draft. I like that they stacked up on the offensive line if they weren't going to go too deep with receivers. If Ryan pulls an offensive guy, feels content enough, and same with Getsy with the receivers they have, but they invested in an offensive line, they're telling you that, hey, we don't need to go all out right now to pay a guy a lot of money because you've seen what these receivers have gotten for receivers that probably don't deserve that as much as some others. And they go, you know, why invest all our money in that right now when realistically, we're not going to win a Super Bowl with those guys immediately. And if we get at least enough protection from Fields, we can see what he's capable of in the NFL, actually get him some comfort and time to display his skill set and then acquire receivers who can best be suited to that later on. And that's okay. You know, as Bears fans, as football fans in general, and fans of any sports team, yes, you want immediate success. But you can't have it that way unless you get LeBron James and free agency coming to your team and you're cheating it, basically. Otherwise, you got to work the process. You got to build from the trenches. And you got to expand from that point on. And based on what the Bears did in this draft, I believe they're doing that. Am I disappointed they didn't get a receiver? Initially, yeah, you know what I was. I was, but again, you realize the pressure is on pulls immensely here. So he's got to have faith in the guys he's picking and his fans. We got to have faith in him. That's the only way to go about it. So overall, again, without obviously seeing any of these guys and what they've done or are going to do, you know, out of 10, I'll give the bears like a 7.3 out of 10. He addressed offensive line. He needed to help out in the secondary. What hurts you is you didn't get too many receivers, but maybe you can fill that void somehow else or somewhere else, but not too shabby overall. A lot of it just having to put in the faith bucket for our guy Ryan pulls. All right. So let me know what your thoughts were on the Bears draft at Danny Burke five. If you're still kind of steaming about it, or if you don't care at this point, you're like, let's just move on. Getting ready for camp, all that crap. Yeah, I get it. But let's take a quick break here, folks. Come back, talk some postseason hockey, talk some postseason basketball as we wrap up another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers has your bases covered with early week betting fun. Your baseball bet gets a little extra pop at Bet Rivers Sportsbook every Tuesday. Just log into BetRivers and receive a 20% profit boost on a baseball bet every single Tuesday during the entire regular season. You can use it on straight bets, player props, or a same-game parlay. You decide. Log on to the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com and get your 20% profit boost today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed. By calling 1-800-GAMBLER, that's 1-800-426-2537. So I'm told the Stanley Cup postseason began last night, but I actively tried to ignore that, considering my Tampa Bay Lightning Moneyline pick uh, didn't look too great from what I've been told. I think uh, one team decided to show up and one did not. But uh, I'll double check on that later. Yeah, no, that was terrible. 5 nothing. the Tampa Bay Lightning got routed by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hopefully he didn't follow me on rush hour with that play. My God, that was atrocious. Like, that was terrible. It was comical because of how bad it was. Like, you almost have to just be impressed with how terrible of a play it was. And look, you know, I <laughs> to make myself, I guess, feel somewhat bad. I mean, like, a lot of people I talk to... People who cover hockey exclusively also like the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? I mean, it was a team that presented some value. Back-to-back Stanley Cup champs. You don't trust Toronto in the postseason. All of those things can be subscribed to that game in this series, all right? So I was like, all right, yeah, I kind of dig it. This is why, though, I typically stay away from betting game ones because who the hell knows what's going to happen? Well, the Maple Leafs destroyed them. But my thought process with it as I... Went in to talk about and described on rush hour. I said, hey, I'll take the plus 110 with the lightning on the money line for this individual game one. And look, if they don't win, then I'll look to bounce back with Tampa Bay on the series price. Because you could get them at about plus 110 at Bet Rivers for the series. And that's a decent look. Don't get me wrong. But if they lose game one, which of course was very plausible and came through. Then you could look to get a way better series price for a team that in game one, you know, arguably 50-50 in the sense of how those odds were reflected. Because now instead of plus 110, they're plus 185 at Bed Rivers. Heck, who knows? Maybe you could get better value even elsewhere. I haven't looked yet. So that was going to be my strategy. If I won on the money line, cool, chillin', I'll take my bet. If they lost, I'll bounce back, get some value on the Lightning to win the series. The thing that scares me now, though, is like, yeah, if the Lightning lose, the Lightning lose. But if they lose 5-0, I don't know where the hell I'm going to get confidence to back them in the series now. Like, a loss is one thing, but a 5-0 shutout in the postseason with a back-to-back Stanley Cup, like, you would think they would actually be ready to go for this game. My God, I, like, I don't play hockey You could have put me out there. It would have been the same result. Maybe even better. Who knows? That was terrible. Jeez. But yeah, I mean, if you want to subscribe to that theory still, I'm debating. I'll have another day to think about it, I suppose. But that was my, I was like, look, the Lightning, if they lose and I'll come back, get them on the series prize. Because Toronto has been wonky in the postseason. You know, you really can't trust them. I get it's the first round, but it's the Lightning. And they had a tough season, but they were picking it up toward the latter half and as you're gearing up for the playoffs. And they could still bounce back, of course. I'm not saying not to bet them, but just definitely got to ponder it a little bit more and assess it with some people I'd like to get their thoughts on revolving hockey. But yeah, you could get the Lightning now at plus 185. And that's a beautiful thing about betting the postseason, betting futures, even after the series starts, and we talk about it a lot, But look, if you had going into a series the idea of how it's going to go and something went one way or the other, you can understand that you can get better value. So that's why I said it with the Lightning. Like, look, they're plus 110 on the series price right now. There's a real chance they lose game one, and I'm fine with that in the sense of looking to bounce back for the series. Obviously, I wanted them to win game one for my bet. But if they lost, I'd go, okay, I still think the Lightning can win this series and they're the better team. I'll have patience and I'll get a better number. Yeah. And that's what you're seeing right now. So you can do that with a lot of things Bucks, Celtics. We'll get into that in a second. If you thought that the Celtics were going to win the series, you didn't want to lay like minus 190. So you stayed away. Hey, maybe now's your chance to jump in because you got a better number because you think, yeah, they lost the game. But, I mean, look, it's a long series. Of course, you're probably going to win a game. Take advantage of the overreactive price. It's a great thing you can do throughout the postseason, really with any sport. Set your expectations. Look through it game by game. And even if it's not game by game, go, all right, you know, because it, it, it's interesting, too, like, the Bucks and Celtics or the Lightning and Maple Leaves, they could easily split those first two games, but it really matters in what order. Because if Tampa Bay now wins game two, the momentum is absolutely swinging their way because then they're going back on their home ice. But if Tampa Bay won game one, then they would be the favorite to win the series, right? And if Toronto win games uh, would win game two, then it would probably be back to where it started for the beginning of the series, I would say. But if it were Toronto, then Tampa Bay, you get the momentum for the most recent game, and you get that game. You know what I'm saying? Like, it matters what order because of the momentum and how it's overreactionary, if that's even a, a word, um, because of just the order it came in, and then that's reflective with the odds. So it matters. So again, yeah, they got embarrassed. They got dismantled, whatever the hell you want to use to say how bad that game was. But there is value to be had potentially now if you didn't already bet them and you were waiting, such as myself. I don't know if I have that conviction as much anymore because of what I saw in game one. That was pathetic. But it's definitely there, plus 185. And folks, speaking of hockey, it's the best time. Hockey playoff time. Stanley Cup playoffs, baby. Bet Rivers has a special offer through the entire NHL playoffs. Throughout the postseason, he can place three same-game parlays of $10 or more on each round and receive a $10 free bet at the conclusion of each round. Think of it as a betting hat trick. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Create your ideal combo with same-game parlays on the BetRivers app or at BetRivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling, and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER at 1-800-426-2537. All right. So, yeah, the Lightning got embarrassed. The Hurricanes came through with their backup in. Feeling great about that because we have our Hurricanes 11-1 to win the Stanley Cup Finals ticket. The Blues. Great win over the Wild. That's going to be a hell of a series. I think that'll be back and forth. Uh, Another great chance here. Like, I think the Wild probably win the series. Not uber confident in it. But now you can get the Wild plus 150. Folks, they were like laying a buck 50 before game one. They could easily bounce uh, bounce back and split two games. Like, it's very, very big overreactions in these series prices a lot of times. And probably more so hockey because to be quite honest these books don't care about hockey too much as they do basketball. So the lines aren't going to be as accurate or just as reflective as it should be of the skill base of these two teams in the back and forth effort that is typically going to be displayed. So make sure you check them out. I'm going to wait for some of these still. We do got these games tonight. I don't know if I'm going to bet anything honestly. It's so like you got the Panthers laying 240 against the Capitals, the Avalanche laying 315 against the Predators, the Flames laying minus 225 against the Stars, the Rangers minus 136 against the Penguins. Like maybe I would take Pittsburgh, but Chesterkin obviously the best goalie in hockey this season. So I don't know if I really like anything in hockey tonight. You know, maybe I. I and I don't want to do a parlay in the postseason. Seldom do I want to do a parlay in general. But maybe I would do like the Flames and either the Panthers or the Avalanche in a parlay or something like that. I don't know. I mean, let me know what you're playing. At Danny Burke 5 of course, on Twitter. You can always tweet at me. Love when you do. Like to see what you guys are sweating out. But yeah, in the early opening line, by the way. For the Maple Leafs and Lightning, I mean, right now for the Wednesday game, we're seeing Toronto minus 122, Tampa Bay plus 106. So it's already telling you that it's still probably not going to be a huge difference in the betting market for these teams. I want to see if I could find the exact number where they opened up at. Um, And by the way, You know, we have all these set up for you at VEASAN.com, VSIN.com, the NHL odds. Go under the NHL tab. You can see the opening odds, the odds at different books. You can do odds by state, so all the Illinois ones, all the Vegas ones, you know, like every state. And you get the betting market report from Andy McNeil. VEASAN's hockey expert. Always refer to him. Every time I bet. Great analysis. All right, but it looks like Toronto opened up minus 112. Tampa Bay plus one hundred and two. Eh, so again, you know, not at Bet Rivers specifically, but out in the desert. But it hasn't been incredible line movement. We'll see more as we get closer for sure. It's like Minnesota maybe getting steamed a little bit. I would agree with that. I would probably look to back the Wild in Game Two. They're up to minus one thirty-two at Bet Rivers. Or, of course, like we said, you could take them plus one hundred and fifty on the series price. I'll probably talk about that a little bit on Rush Hour, either tonight or tomorrow. But I like that angle with the Wild. Probably more than Tampa Bay right now. And I know Minnesota didn't put up a great effort. That's obvious. But, you know, Minnesota's a very sporadic team in itself. And the Blues, you know, I don't really trust them. You know, this series seems like it could easily go seven. So, yeah, that'll be fun to see that. But that's what we're rolling with with hockey. I mean... Look, not too much. Sorry if I didn't give you enough substance, but I'm still kind of just playing it out myself because it's round one. And look, I like betting hockey more so on a game-to-game basis. And when you get to the postseason, man, it's tricky. It gets really tough. But I love doing it, love betting it. We are crushing hockey this year. Let me pull up, I think, our record in hockey after last night's loss we are 47 33 and one hockey for the past like two years has been arguably my most profitable sport i mean i have the record so it wouldn't be arguably but yeah, i mean like last year we we're 30 and 11 and this year 47 33 and one so yeah i mean we love betting it we're crushing it hopefully we can continue to do that throughout the postseason i was just saying arguably in terms of because I, I again like I only bet 41 games in hockey last year we hit over 70% but you know there wasn't a ton of games that we bet per se but this year we went on a lot and we're 47 33 and 1 NBA loving to bet the NBA this year especially after our 30 plus unit night a couple weeks ago we are now 68 47 and 1 in the association tough loss last night with our prop bet as for tonight Again, if I'm doing anything exotic like props or anything like that, I'll talk about it on rush hour, but I just this, I just want to give you my quick two cents on these games. So with Milwaukee, we talked about it last week. We did a few series bets with them. I mean, we got our hand dipped in the Milwaukee Bucks pot pretty deep. Like we took the Bucks to win the championship at 5 to 1. You know, that changed after Middleton went out. You could get the Bucks at like plus 750. Oh, what? Then they went on and they beat the Celtics in game one. Now they're back down to five to one. I'm telling you, that's how volatile these odds are. Overreactions, folks. You can take advantage of them. But look, uh, Milwaukee, five to one. The Heat are plus four fifty now. Jeez. Um, well, because they'll have an easier series against the Sixers without Embiid. But again, what we did with the Bucs, not only took them five to one to win the championship, but we also took them to win in 6 at plus 550 for this series and to win in 7 at 7-1. to one. Also, we took this series over 5.5 games minus 167. Beautiful offer by Bet Rivers. No other book gives you the hook for total games played. They only give you the exact number, so I'd gladly take the book that gives you the hook. Yes, that rhymed. I did not mean to do that, but here we are. Ignore that. Let's move on. And then in Game 2, the Celtics now lay in 5, folks. And from the way that I bet, the bucks I'm not like directly rooting for Boston but I would definitely prefer them to win this game to help this series not only get over five and a half games but in turn give the bucks a better chance to win in six or seven right so the market seems to be respecting Boston a little bit more I think this thing opened like four four and a half now you're seeing it up to five for Boston. So this one will probably be a stay away. And we were talking about this total, by the way. Um, on my other show, Bet on Chicago. Shout out to Ben Wilson, diehard Bucks fan. He's like, dude, take the under. 217.5, 218. It's gonna go under. Cruise to the under. Now it's at 215 and a half. But Marcus Smart's availability will be interesting. Let me double check on him because I know he was a little banged up. And that, of course, is going to have a severe impact on the defensive side of the ball. So I guess they're listing Marcus Smart as day-to-day. He's questionable with his quad, So we'll see. Keep an eye on that status. All right. The second game tonight is probably one I may get involved in. So I did bet the Warriors on the money line for game one on Sunday. My goodness, was that a sweat? And I thought I was screwed after Draymond got ejected. By the way... Complete BS on ejecting someone for that. Yes, flagrant. He hit him, grabbed a jerk. I get it. Do you really have to eject someone? It's not like he was going out there throwing punches at him. Like, come on, how soft are we? Getting a flagrant. Two free throws, ball back. Tech, you know, all that crap. Fine. But you're going to eject the guy for that? Unless he's actively trying to fight someone, do not eject someone. Like you have to be doing something completely egregious in my mind for them to get ejected from the from the game. Like so many things happen in the spur of the moment, and NBA players get caught more for it because you watch the replay in slow motion, and there's cameras and eyes everywhere that it's displayed at a level that is unforeseen in every other other uh, every other situation or setting. So look, Draymond definitely has a similar reputation to seeing that a lot, right? I mean, like you've seen things like that from him in the past but he's not trying to kill the dude. I mean, come on. Whatever. They got the win. It was a sweat. Cash on the money line ticket. And hell, folks, I may be looking to do the same tonight. I get it. It's hard to win two games on the road. This Memphis team is tough. But do we really think Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to have the game he did in Game 1? That was outstanding. He was having like an out-of-body experience. And further along to that point... With the Warriors having Draymond Green back in the mix, how big of an advantage is that going to be for Golden State once again? It's going to be huge. It is going to be big. So you're seeing the Warriors as a two point favorite right now. And the money line's about minus 127. I get it. You know, the public and myself included is probably thinking those same things and going, yeah, Warriors for sure, short price, give me that. And the Sharp Money may be looking more toward Memphis to bounce back. I get it. That's what happens a lot of times. But it's the playoffs, man. Things are wonky. Who do you trust more? I trust the Warriors more. With their conductor of the team on the floor in Draymond Green. Look, Jaron Jackson Jr. Went 6 of 9 from deep. 10 of 18 from the floor. Racked up 33 points. Now, you could make the case that, well, yeah, he went 33 and Dylan Brooks only had 8 and Bain only had 9 and, you know, Clark, 12, Anderson, do like those guys will pick up the slack. Yeah, maybe, potentially. But I still just got to trust the Warriors here. Until the market adjusts and makes the Warriors like a 4-point favorite or something like that, like 3.5 to where you're laying like minus 160, 165 or above, I think I almost have to keep looking to bet the Warriors. Because, yeah, I obviously think they win this series, but there's no value in betting the series price right now for them. They won game one. They're minus 560 to win the series. Tell me why you think they're minus 560, but only minus 127 to win game two. Well, Danny, they could lose game two and still obviously control the series going back to Golden State. Memphis is good enough to split at home. I get it, but it just still seems like a huge discrepancy. Total games played in the series? Over 5.5 is minus 106. Yeah, if you think the Warriors get a gentleman sweep, under 5.5 is minus 122. If you think the Warriors do sweep, plus 250. On um, the spread for the series outcome, meaning if you think the Warriors sweep or win in 5, it's minus 120. Or you could bet the Warriors to win in 6 at plus 300. And you could bet them to win in 7 at 7-1 to one, or to win in 5 at plus 290 or to sweep at plus 250. Same price as under 4.5 because they're the only team who can sweep. Sometimes they give you the wrong numbers on those, but not this time. And yeah, man, I mean, look. I don't hate the idea of betting the Warriors to win in 5 at plus 290. I kind of like them to win this game. And maybe Memphis does sneak one. Maybe they don't. They're telling you the Warriors to sweep is the short shot for the series correct score, right? Plus 250. For them to win in 5, plus 290, to win in 6, 3-1, to one, to win in 7, 7-1. Seven so again, why are the Warriors such a short favorite in this game if you're thinking that there's a good chance they sweep? I get that it's not necessarily correlated with each other directly, but I'm telling you, I'm just thinking based on what they're telling you for the series correct score and some of these futures odds, There's a great chance that they sweep. And so why not take advantage of the short number on the Warriors tonight? That's probably what I'll do. And if I lose, so be it. Because it is this Grizzlies team that is tough. It is a playoff series that could go back and forth. But I'm going to look to take advantage of the short price with the Warriors that will inevitably adjust when they go back to Golden State. Right? I mean, in those games, that's where you'll see Golden State laying four. Or three and a half, whatever it may be. I mean, this Warriors team, what they, I mean, and again, think about this. You know, Klay Thompson missed those two free throws at the end. This team had to deal with a lot of adversity, missing Draymond Green. Klay Thompson going three of ten from deep. Curry only had five threes, only had 24 points. Sorry, noise out of the computer again, stupid ESPN. Uh, Jordan Poole dropped 31. The dude's an animal. He's coming off the bench and doing that. Andrew Wiggins had 17, only hit 1-3. The Warriors only hit 14 three-pointers. I say only, you know, relatively, but I mean, the Grizzlies hit 16. The Warriors are usually the team that is leading the statistical category in three-point attempts. And three-pointers made. So, folks, I'm telling you, the Warriors did not play their best game. They missed their most important player, arguably. Yeah, you could argue that Draymond Green is their most important player based on how he facilitates and operates his team both offensively and defensively. But despite him not being in a majority of the game, they pulled it out. Despite Klay Thompson missing two free throws at the end, they pulled it out. Despite Jaron Jackson Jr. having the game of his life, they pulled it out. Are all those things going to occur again? Probably not. So I'm going to look to bet the Warriors tonight on the money line instead of laying the spread. Minus 127, you can get them right now at BetRivers. Let me see if there's some other odds you can get that are a little bit more appealing. But even still, I'm fine laying minus $1. 27. Yeah, best number is at BetRivers, folks. Minus 127 for Steph Curry and company. That's the way I would look to approach it. And by the way, really quick, and I'm not saying I'm doing this, but if you're looking at some of these Odds to win the finals for some of these teams. And you're looking like Warriors plus 270. Ah, not that great of value. Bet Steph Curry to win finals MVP, folks, plus 390. If the Warriors win the championship, chances are he's going to win finals MVP. He hasn't won one. KD's got the other one. Andre Iguodala's got the other one, you know. So Steph Curry's due. Narrative-driven award. Better value on Curry to win finals MVP instead of the Warriors to win the championship. Take that route. The Bucks are five to one to win the finals. Giannis is five to one to win NBA Finals MVP. Take the Bucks at that point because in the off chance it's someone else, you'd still cash and it's the same price, right? For the Suns, Devin Booker's plus 450. Chris Paul is eight to one, but the Suns are plus 240. Maybe you take a flyer on both. Maybe you just bet one of them. Whoever you have more conviction in, probably will be Devin Booker. So make sure that you remember that. Recognize that that is a smart way to approach it. If you want the better value, of course some wonky things could happen and some random guy could win it like an Andre Iguodala example, but the chances are slim. You got a good idea for a lot of these short shot teams. Who's going to be their MVP. Now the heat is tricky. Miami heat at plus four That is tricky. Butler is seven to one. Bam out of bio is 20 to one. Those two guys, it could be either one with them. I'm going to be honest. You probably still give the edge to Jimmy Butler just because of what he's done and built this team from when they were in the bubble championship. He's the face of this organization. That's a narrative that drives Jimmy Butler in 7-1 better than plus 450. That's a route you could take with that. But that's all I got for the NBA right now. Again, if I'm getting into the props or anything else specific, I'll talk about it and expand more so on it on Rush Hour. We'll talk with Nick Whalen, NBA editor over at RotoWire tonight. So looking forward to it. Uh, Dan Leach, host of the Detroit City Cats, also going to be hopping on the program. A lot of good content coming your way throughout postseason time. Don't forget Major League Baseball, one of our favorite sports to bet. We've got you covered. So check it out, Rush Hour, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time always appreciate you listening here on the Chicago City cast folks make sure you like And subscribe so you can get notified immediately when the episodes get released and if you need a link to this show to rush hour to anything I do make sure to follow on Twitter at Danny Burke 5. thank you for tuning in folks always appreciate it enjoy all the action tonight best luck with your plays we'll be back tomorrow with more action right here on the Chicago City cast presented by bet Rivers take care.